It's time for the What in the Podcast. On tonight's show, we're taking you backstage where we'll learn about the curses behind some of Hollywood's greatest and most infamous films. We'll explore the pitfalls that befell these cinematic masterpieces and even a couple of films that were so cursed that they were never even made. Sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the What in the Podcast with your host, Kent Whittington and Adriana Camito. Hello and welcome to the What in the Podcast. I'm your host, Kent Whittington. And Adriana Camito. And our guest host tonight with us is Tracy Hernandez. Hernandez, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I didn't know what you wanted to go by, so you know, I figure I figure I'd let you do that part. <laughs> You can call me Cricket if you want to. That tells you how old I've been around Mr. Camp here. So, hey. That's true. We've been we've been friends for quite a few years. Well, more than a decade now at this point. More, more, than, more than a decade. That's a lot of years of gaming, let me tell you. More, more, than, more than two decades. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, folks, before we start, I just got a little housekeeping to do like normal. First of all, I want to again plug Tracy and Jerry at Hillbilly Horror Stories. We love them, and we're going to keep plugging them every every time you hear us. Oh, yeah. my One of my favorite podcasts out there. And we were told by actually a person who listens to their podcast that we uh, that they remind or let me back up that, that we remind her of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way we the way we talk here on the show. So that's high praise in my book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, secondly, I'm going to mention our email address again. It's what in the podcast gmail dot com. That's all one word. And at that point, we're looking for uh, stories for an upcoming episode for uh, childhood ghost stories or even just ghost stories in general, as long as they're of a personal nature. Uh, that episode's going to air in about three weeks' time. The deadline for these stories will be August 1st. So if you have something you want to share, you got till then. Yes. Very much looking forward to it. We have a few people lined up already, so please send them in. Yeah, yeah Tracy <laughs> has a few, too, and I, and and I her understand mom. her mother has one she wants to tell us, too. Look forward to hearing her talk about that. Something about a Ouija board, was that it? Yes, a Ouija board, a, a very long encounter with it that culminates with how to destroy a Ouija board 101. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Take that, Milton Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> And also, uh, to that point, too, we also want to mess, uh, mention the voice messenger. I did a little checking on that, and it's not just Spotify. It looks like all the formats that you listen to this podcast on have that link. So when you go into the episode guides, uh, the link should be provided for the messenger. So click on that link, leave us a message, let us know what you think. Or if you just want to plug the show or say hi, do that. No problem. Um. Also, lastly, we uh, Tracy is our guest host tonight, but we are still looking for other guest hosts. If you are interested, if you've never podcasted before and like to try it out, or even if you are a professional podcaster and would just like to be on our show, uh, let us know. We'd like to hear from you. 
And that's it. So, what are we doing tonight? Yes, cursed movies. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight we're going to talk about movies that are that have a reputation for curses that have uh, killed cast and crew. Movies that are just all sorts of unfortunate things happen. Even a few movies that never even got made because they were so cursed. So I'm going to start tonight. And I'm going to start us off with The Omen. Now, I'm sure you guys have all heard about the curses for The Omen, but I'm going to go over them anyway. <laughs> the Omen began production in the summer of 1975 and was predicted to be as big a hit as its predecessor, The Exorcist, a movie that hence became the highest grossing horror movie of all time, earning $232 million in revenue and earning a whopping 10 Academy nominations, including Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Director. I think that's a pretty good sound for a movie. I mean, all that all that stuff that's going for it. But um, <laughs> let me read on. An advertising executive by the name of Bob Munger had been pitching the idea to Hollywood, but according to the Los Angeles Times, when he had approached producer Harvey Bernard with the idea of a film about the Antichrist, Bernard had been warned by Munger that he thought the devil might not might not want such a movie to be made. Now, how are you going to pitch a movie and then tell the guy that you don't think the devil wants it made? Uh, or whispers to you on the, the casting room couch. <laughs> Could I, be. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Or maybe you just say, hey, let's make a movie about the devil. He's going to hate it. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> anyway, in the later interviews, both Munger and Bernard recalled how they predicted the curse in these early moments. Munger recalls his words of warning. I said, or he said, sorry. (laughs) I said it, no. He said, if you make this movie, you're going to have some problems. If the devil's greatest single weapon is to be invisible and you're going to do something which is going to take away his invisibility to millions of people, he's not going to want that to happen, Bernard recalled. The devil was at work and he didn't want that film made, end quote. Um... And that is something about, about movies like The Omen and the Exorcist. These are some of the movies that were kind of kind of at the forefront of, you know, bringing the devil out in the open and showing us what devilish horror is, basically. Uh, and then, of course, we have the curse that's attached to it. The curse seemed to have taken hold before the production truly began on June in 1975, when Gregory Peck's son committed suicide and later when Peck flew to London for the role and his plane was struck by lightning. A few weeks later, executive Mark Neufeld's plane was similarly struck by lightning on a flight back to L.A. As production started, Bernard began wearing a crucifix on the set. The airplane that the team had hired wound up being switched to another client. The plane reportedly crashed on takeoff, killing everyone aboard. That's nasty. (laughs) Feel free to... Chime in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just listening. I, I you know. Input's nice, though. So. Anyway, as production started, Bernard, oh, I already said that part. Anyway, <laughs> let's try that again. Newfield, the executive that I mentioned, whose plane was struck by lightning, was staying in the London Hilton in September when it was bombed by the Irish Republican Army in September of that year. As the production continued, so did the curse. According to director Richard Donner, in a scene at the zoo that had baboons reacting violently to Damien's presence, Lee Remick, who played Damien's mother, 
was legitimately terrified by the baboon's presence, and an animal trainer had to be brought in to handle the baboons. That same trainer was later killed by a tiger the following day, who had grabbed the trainer by the head, killing him instantly. Ouch. Yeah, it's, uh, that's not a fun way to go. I've seen the lion tamer, tra tamers put, the, uh, put their heads in the lion's mouth. I don't know why. That just seems like all sorts of wrong. Yeah. Yeah, healthy respect for, for uh, wild animals. Yes. Wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, the curse continued even after the filming finished, actually. The film was released on June 6, 1976, the following year. 66676 or 666, anyone? Just before my birthday, go figure. Rock on! <laughs> in August of that year, special effects genius John Richardson was involved in a terrible car accident. He was in the Netherlands working on Richard Attenborough's A Bridge Too Far. And in The Omen, Richardson had executed a particularly gruesome decapitation scene. Have you guys seen that one? Oh, okay. Well, basically what happens is um, a truck spoilers, is backing people. up. Yeah, spoilers in case you haven't seen it. <laughs> Truck's backing up. Plate glass window slides off the truck and decapitates. Oh, man. I, mean, I, have, okay, I, have, I have seen yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of, kind, of, kind of funny to see that. And they replayed it a couple of times, and you just see this head rolling over the pane as it as he gets decapitated. I don't know why that sticks with me, <laughs> but it does. Uh, yeah, because it's something you see every day. This is true. <laughs> Maybe that's why. So, but in Richardson's case, he survived his car accident in Holland, but his passenger assistant Liz Moore hadn't been so fortunate. She'd been beheaded. Ah, let me try that again. She'd been beheaded. Yeah, I got a case I can't talk again. It's... According to local reports, a sign in the vicinity clocked the distance to a nearby town. The town was called Omen, and the distance was 66.6 .6 kilometers. That's wrong. That's the one of us saying, and no. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, also, one of the film stuntmen, Alf Joint, also went to work on a bridge too far. He wound up in the hospital after one of his stunts went wrong. In one sequence, he was simply meant to jump from the roof to an airbag. But he seemed to fall abruptly and strangely. When he woke up in the hospital, he claimed he'd been pushed by something. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> then there was Harvey Stevens, the young boy who portrayed Damien, who seemed to have completely vanished. Back in 2001, AMC premiered a 90-minute documentary called The Omen Legacy. The piece rehashed many of the aforementioned stories and included interviews with the original cast and crew. Stevens was nowhere to be found. I saw him nine years ago, Bernard said at the time. He was handsome and a wonderful boy. He was tall and he was rather beautiful. It was the only picture he ever made. Kevin Burns, an executive producer for the special even went as far as to hire a private investigator to get a hold of the former actor. I'm sure he's still out there. We really tried to find him. But guess what? He's not missing. Uh, in fact, Stevens returned to acting in 2006, right back to where his career started. He played a small role in the remake of The Omen, which starred Julius Stiles and Lee Schreiber, and was released on, guess what? <laughs> June 6, 2006, 666. As far as we know, nothing out of the ordinary happened during the production of the reboot. And that's it for The Omen.
Yay. What do you think of that? Any comments? Any questions? Creepier than I thought it was. I forgot about the beheading, scene. About beheading scene. Yeah, but now that you've thought now about it, it's kind of sticking in your head, head isn't now, it? I guess that tonight's movie night while I try to fall asleep is break out the VHS. It's not working. I put in the omen. Heads will roll. <laughs> Heads will roll. And it does. <laughs> I just, I completely forgot about it. I haven't seen the movie in years. Actually, one of my, one of the scenes that sticks in my head in that is um, the priest who was played by, oh, I can't remember his name now, the second doctor in Doctor Who. Um, uh, Trouton. Yes. Yes, Dr. thank Trouton. you. Yeah, he <laughs> played the priest. And there's a scene where the lightning's flashing, flashing in the cemetery and he looks up at the steeple in the church and the steeple falls over and impales him right from the chest oh, and pins yeah. him to the ground basically i think i need to rewatch this movie again. Yeah, yeah yeah there's a lot it's of scenes that yeah. i want to see again i'm not morbid that's just the way i am <laughs> not morbid when you're trying to remember the, the things part of your growing up. Exactly. i have been addicted to horror movies since i was a small child it's all my mother's fault yes give me a that too, but my mom used to Friday Night Frights on USA growing up, you know. The thriller, good mystery, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm all for that. Anyway. Drama's always good too, but it's more I like the thriller and the suspense stuff. Yeah. So we each decided to do two movies tonight. I'm gonna skip my next turn here, and Tracy, why don't you go ahead and do the next one? Well, since you did the 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 uh, the sequel to the movie, I might as well do the Exorcist. There you go. I? Yeah. So I that's have, that's uh, one that started everything. Maybe she should have gone first. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Nah, it's all good. <laughs> Hello, puppy. Um, <laughs> yes, you just don't like when I growl. Okay, it's okay. I promise. So I'm being vetted by the pups who are telling me that I shouldn't growl because suddenly I must have my left lung on. So long as the puppies don't growl. <laughs> huh. They're not. So, so <laughs> too bad. Exorcist was done in '73. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And real people really did die while making this movie, evidently, because um. Well, let me just read you the bits I have come across here, and I'll give you what I remember of, of yeah, how to get me in trouble 101. I'll have interesting dreams tonight. <laughs> so Should um, I be sorry? No. Okay. No, no. <laughs> if I have had dreams of me punching nuns and dislocating my shoulder, I can have dreams about, you know, attacking the exorcist things. Why did I fit in? Yeah, I don't sure, know. why not? Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go for broke. What the heck? I'm a painful person. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> let's see here. Um, this is is a little bit weird. Um, it was overwhelmed with controversy when it was released in '73. Rumors surrounded it disturbing with disturbing things that had happened on the set during the filming and, and offset during the filming. There were reports of audiences getting sick and fainting when they saw it. Jeez, I remember I hearing can, those reports. Yeah, I can see why in, in my memories of the movie that I'm going to re 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 re, -re watch again. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Rings, surfing, yay. Um, I apologize. The, so it, it's your first time. It's okay. It made questions at the time as to why the movie should have been made to begin with. And then, of course, the curse that came following it. Um, going into detail, it was it was channel surf again because I just lost my page. Ha ha, that's right. Um, I am so sorry. Um, it's okay. It's all good. There were several injuries that happened. Long-term back injuries for Linda Blair. Uh -huh. um, one of them, you know, when she was doing the, the, the pivot scene for the, the swirling head, she switched her, switched her back or switched her back. Well, yeah, because they put her she in a bodysuit for that, yeah, didn't they? they put her in a bodysuit, yeah. and then they were trying to do a part where they took her and spun her 
instead of using a prosthetic head to spin, mm -hmm. they, they, they made it. Yeah. Anyway, they, yeah. they made better decisions later on, supposedly. Better decisions came uh, from it, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> um, Ellen Burst, Burston, who played her mother, was also um, injured on the set. There was a fire that burned down most of the set except for Reagan's bedroom. Which thought was very strange. Since uh -huh. That was you know, the possessed child's of course. room was the only thing that survived the fire. <laughs> Once again, don't upset the big spirits because you will make yourself known. Now, if I remember correctly, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, Ellen Bernstein her 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 injury involved um, being pulled back on the cable and smacking her body against a wall. Back and and um, brain injury. That's yeah. Concussion. Long -term brain. Yeah, yeah. Concussion. That's what I'm thinking. Exactly. I'm Causing a concussion. No oh, no. I just, it was a guess. I just want, I wanted to, to clarify that. Yes. I love you, dear, but I'm going to tie your hands to your lap. At least I'm not banging the table. No, this you time. just smacked me. I'm sorry. Oh, I apologize. I'm Italian. My hands. Uh, so am I. <laughs> no, no, but he slams his hands uh, down. He like smacked me. So oh. I got to give him a hard time. Oh, he, likes hit, he likes to hit the table. Tonight I'm too. an Irish cream filling and an Italian Oreo. <laughs> You're nasty, but I love you anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, so the man who played the nurse in the film was killed um, before the exorcist was released. Mm -hmm. It was reported. Um, but he was quick. Sorry, he killed uh, killed a reporter, and then it was reported that he confessed quickly to the crime, saying that um, he couldn't explain why he did it. He just had to do it. it sounds awfully familiar for you know a set that burns while. The devil made the me devil, do it, huh? Yeah, the devil made him do it, but he didn't know why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you said before, The Exorcist is one of the highest grossing films at the time. Mm -hmm. um, the, the physical reactions were, were wonderful to, to show the release and, and bring things on. But oh, yeah, they definitely sold the film. Women, A woman complained that, that because of the scariness of the movie, it caused her to miscarry. Mm -hmm. um, that people could be possessed by watching the film you know, that's can't say that's ever happened to me yeah me no. either uh interesting night's sleep but no no possessions mm -hmm. yet yet I'm yeah still, i was I'm still relatively young. I got half a life we're all thinking yet yeah <laughs> um so i love how this thing jumps around i tried getting it to copy properly and of course nothing goes right that's all right um we're here all night. <laughs> There's no time limit. <laughs> so so let's see here. Um, so back to, to Ellen, Reagan's mother. Mm -hmm. She was injured, yes. Um, when, she, when she was thrown to the ground, they actually used in the film the blood color, curling scream she lets out is genuine. Yeah. I remember hearing about that, mm -hmm. yeah. And she's still bothered by the, the, the leftover trauma to the body. Mm -hmm. um, brains. Oh, my goodness. I am so sorry. <laughs> This is why I'm, I'm like, okay. I want to tell things by. You know what it is? You're just excited. I am that's very excited. That's the hard part. I, I <laughs> you should see how excited she is. She's she just she's, she's literally exuding bouncing it. in her. She's seat bouncing right in now. the seat and smiling from ear to ear, and she's it's it's great. And, and actually, we're loving every I love it. it. It's great to see her this excited. <laughs> bouncy, 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 bouncy. <laughs> so, okay, channel surfing. And I apologize. That's so all right. Tigger! And put me back on where I'm supposed to be. Like. Um, <laughs> so, so shooting was delayed because the set that caught on fire it was supposed to be in, in McNeil's home. Now, McNeil is um, 
I just blanked on who he was. He's not the director, but he's he's one of the writers, authors going through the whole thing. He's one of the big wigs. And he okay. Have it filmed in his house. He decided not to have it in his house. Producer? Was he a producer? I think so. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yes. you. No, that's good. I got to stop interrupting maybe you. Some, maybe as <laughs> a producer with some writer credits. Sometimes I have a brain cell that wanders out and requires a new home to put the word in. Oh, it's okay. I'm a, okay. <laughs> I like when people have my brain cell. It's great. Okay. Um, <laughs> But the uh, director planned, uh, blamed the entire fire on a winged creature with talons. Uh, it seemed that a pigeon had found its way into the cult circuit box and caused a fire. However, the fact that Reagan's room was untouched by the fire was creepy, making the director's claim of a winged, taloned creature more so than a pigeon a little more believable. It wasn't a pigeon. It was Pazuzu. <laughs> <laughs> Um, while filming the possession scenes, Linda was thrown out of bed by a piece of rigging when a piece of rigging broke, and that would be Linda Blair, mm-hmm. uh, causing her to injure her back. Additionally, in the film's release, she received so many death threats the studio had to hire bodyguards to escort her the next for the next six months. Isn't that terrible? Because a child, yeah. Let's, let's take a child who's only doing what she's supposed to do, acting, which isn't even real. What the directors and, and the writers are saying, and say, well, since you took the crucifix and put it. Where the sun doesn't shine, and said things that a child her age would never naturally say. Mm-hmm. Let's threaten your life because that makes some sense. Or well, more so, people were a lot of people actually thought she was possessed. Yes, and that's a lot of where the death threats came from. I promise, I'm not possessed, puppy. But you're giving so much credence to my childhood. Thank you. Um, talking about ghosts, I always have a pup come up and talk to me, mm-hmm. and now we're talking about spirits. And curses, and here's a pup trying to tell me that I need someone to comfort me. I'm hyper, it's okay. Cool. So is she. Pomeranians yes, can, are always hyper. Yes. yes, she's panting. <laughs> she's happy panting. It's what she's supposed to do. She was originally trained to be my, my original service dog. So. I, I, I have a happy with your puppies Oh, that's fine. Of course, now all your, 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 your well, officers are like, What are you doing? They're doing their job, <laughs> they're doing, we're doing <laughs> ours. <laughs> Um, okay, so so the one that, that made me giggle, okay, um, the, the voice of Mercedes McCambridge mm-hmm. was a victim of horrific tragedy when her son was murdered and wife and, chil- and wife's children before taking his own life. Now, why it made me giggle? I'd like to know. Yeah, is because <laughs> why would you? Your mother has been voicing things. Mm-hmm. Your mother's on a set. What did she bring home? I mean, this is a good question for the curse that started out with Edgar Cisco's over to to the omen. It keeps crawling through. I can see where I can see where you're coming from. You're talking so, about you're talking about the idea of uh, somebody bringing home yes. something. So it makes me giggle because how many things are crossed over from mm-hmm. movies that have here's your your first part, your second part, your third part, first part. We don't want to do this, or we wanted this because it sounds interesting. But we have the voice here, the devil uh-huh. speaking through Pazuzu, and then we have going to the Omen. I want to make this movie, but the devil's going to get into on it. Well, right? Gee, could the voice of, or the, the the not Pazuzu, but the thing behind Pazuzu be going? Wait, wait. If we do this, I'm here. Let's now I know this. why she's giggling. <laughs> Well, it happens again in, in Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. 
and we'll be getting to that also. So yes, so, so it's, it's just a, wait for it's it, folks. Crossovers. <laughs> That's why it makes me giggle. Is, is we open the door. So you're starting to see connections basically yes. throughout these movies, and that yes. we open the door. We have things that are happening. If it happened in part one, why would you go to part two? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you stop it? Oh, we'll go over here, but the devil wants me to stop it. Oh, but now you worry for you know. Well, I don't necessarily think the devil wanted it stops. Exactly. You know, if, if you if you believe in the concept of the devil, maybe he actually wanted these movies made. Exactly. And you can see how people react into these movies too. So you know, it's it's definitely a theory. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's you know the, the other thing they had here is the, the idea that if, since the film was cursed, we play it through a projector. Mm -hmm. The projector itself would become a portal. Anything you put through afterwards that was haunted of some kind or had some sort of spooky connotation would become a portal to bring its thing alive. Well, not a lot of projectors anymore these days. This but... is true. Movie theater projectors, but yeah. But what, you know, you could always, if you believe in that concept, what's to say if you uh, project it from a television or something like that, that that doesn't also create a portal? That's why I pull my Doctor Who reference. You look at an angel. A picture of an angel becomes an angel itself. Exactly. Of course. So you have a projector. And now you have a portal. And you have a phone that you cast. I'm watching this and cast it to my TV. How many portals have you made to make it easier for the uh, creepy crawlies to Definitely. come through? Definitely. And now you're listening to this. Imagine what that <laughs> does to us. <laughs> By the way, my other life is I have a haunted house, so I apologize for my cackle. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard your cackle before. <laughs> anyway that's, i think that's that one that was it that's that one. Okay. all right okay so this is you know got me hyper here poltergeist <laughs> okay i already mentioned part of it here poltergeist had a couple things that that i had heard about as a child okay i didn't watch poltergeist growing up i came into it late in the season like i want to say in my mid-20s i discovered watching Poltergeist. Oh. The only thing I remember about Poltergeist was the bathroom scene when I was about eight years old. I walked into my friend's house. I saw that the, the, the gentleman in the mirror pull off his face that was melting. I'm like, not the movie for me. And I walked <laughs> away. I can't say the same. I was, I was a Spielberg fan ever since Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I had to see Poltergeist oh, when it came out. I wanted to see it, but <laughs> after seeing that, I'm like, mm, so I'm not done. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> Then I started hearing about things like, you know, the exit, the, the, the skeletons on the set, mm -hmm. like the part where there were some real skeletons. Actually, used. they all, I think most of them were real. Yes. Sorry. Um, and I'm sure you'll I get to that. I shouldn't correct. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, That's one thing I, I have known for years about this yeah, one. <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know, many fans have been trying to find the root of the, the hauntings. I believe it's probably because real skeletons were used filming the entire movie. Um, Diane, who is Joe Beth Williams, falls into a pool. The pool is full of skeletons. It was cheaper to use real skeletons than the fake ones. Spielberg's quote. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no. So, who knows? If you go for that kind of realism, I'm going to have to watch this. Now, I had heard a story, actually. I don't know if you got it in your notes or not, but that those skeletons were actually imported from India. They were, so not in my notes, but I remember them being um, from India and from a reinterred or process of being reinterred cemetery that i didn't know wow. families hadn't given permission so in this case they moved the bodies but not the cemetery yes 
Unlike in a movie where they move the cemetery and not the bodies. Yes. So it was one of those, <laughs> I love you, Steven Spielberg. You little um, questionable at times, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, still watch your stuff. Yep. Regularly. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, go ahead. Why? I don't want to interrupt her, but go for it, go for it. The, um, the, the, the only thing that can be considered real is the swimming pool because the it, the poltergeist was actually based off something mm -hmm. and they actually there are still graves in these people's yards and homes yeah. and um yeah this that part was actually they were going to put a swimming a pool event. in actually and that's kind of how he spielberg got the idea for the, the swimming pool scene he mm -hmm. way elaborated on it because there's no it didn't actually happen but yeah, yeah it, it it really did uh he they were they actually were surveying to put in a pool and then they reinterred once they found the graves. It was, I think it was a, a Native American or African American cemetery. I don't remember. I believe. But... I, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I don't quote me on that. I'm for that. But you know part, how it right? is. Everything's on an Indian burial ground. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Well, <laughs> Sorry to mean to cut you years off. Years of, of, of population well, before we got here, everything is a Native American burial ground. Exactly. Just, just yes, Native American. Sorry, I said Indian. I apologize for that. Try to be PC whenever possible. I understand. Yep. So um, in, in an interview, um, Joe Beth Williams said, in my innocence, I assume that these were not real skeletons. <laughs> I assume that they were prop skeletons made of plastic rubber. And I found out, as did the crew, they were using real skeletons because it's far too expensive to, to make fake skeletons out of rubber. I bet she still gets the wiggums just thinking oh, about it. I bet you she does. Oh, yeah, I would. <laughs> Especially not, not being told until after. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised she came back for the sequel. Oh, dear That, boy. yeah. Um, so, so, so crossing over <laughs> with, the, with the exorcism because there was a crossover here. Mm -hmm. In Poltergeist 2, so we're going to fast forward a little bit on the other side, you know, when, when we, we still have our young... Um, uh -huh. O'Rourke? Hey. Yes. Heather O'Rourke. Heather O'Rourke. Sorry, Car I can only remember her last Carol name. Carol Ann for the people who yes, don't yes, know. Yes, Carol Ann for the... Um, before <laughs> that round of the first costume run. Yes. Um, they use the same set from The Exorcist to do. Yeah, in the second the one? house? In, in the second one. In the oh, I didn't realize that. I did yeah. not. Whoa. Um, so it was conducted on the same set. And who played the shaman of the movie was very concerned about using the skeletons in the first film. And here they are in the same set that was used for both Exorcist and... and um, poltergeist and we're still crossing the same set over here and now we're going to in the second one the same one where we had real skeletons we're now doing yeah the the shaman was not a happy camper the guy who played the shaman was not a happy camper mm -hmm. and in the long run he was not a happy camper period oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah um so death curses going through here you know, there's a lot of things that can be happening here there are definitely a lot of deaths associated with this film not just natural deaths but these can be pretty brutal ways and painful ways. Well, I can for... think of at least four deaths attached to the film. I'm oh, sure yeah, there's a lot yeah. more. Um, for the cast members who, who succumbed to it, the, the big two are Dominique Thune. Who played the, she played the sister, right? In the first she one. She played yeah. the eldest daughter, Dana. Mm -hmm. And Heather O'Rourke, who played the youngest one, Carol Ann. Um, Dunn died shortly after the release of the film in 82, strangled by an abusive ex-boyfriend. Um, On her front porch. But she, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she uh, brains uh, was on life support for five days before she, you know, brain damage. Mm -hmm. They finally let her go. I feel real sorry for her. Actually, she never even got the chance to really enjoy so many the fame. Not just the fame; her life was yeah. cut so short. Well, definitely, yeah. so fast. There, there, are, there are multiple child actors that get you know, 
let's get a voice out here. Let's get this person known. And then all of a sudden, her dad's mm -hmm. upset. Mom's upset. Texas upset. Yep. Um, our work became ill about four months into or before the release of Poltergeist 3, where they discovered eventually that she had Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. And they were pumping her full of steroids. Well, that's why we see. That's why she looks all puffy in yeah, the third she, film. Yeah, swollen. Poor thing. Um, and it eventually would kill her, not because of Crohn's disease, but because the medication she was on to gave her septic shock and a heart attack, cardiac arrest. So little. And that. at 12, you know, she had oh, yeah. been in three scary movies. She had survived skeletons. She had survived all the things happening around her. She, she survived, survived being her. sucked into a television set into an alternate dimension. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she had survived seeing someone lose her big sister. Gone. Mm -hmm. yeah. and you, you, you go on set, you build a family, you know, your big sister is you... not your big sister, you know, Bonds. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're together for months at a time, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, most likely, you're hanging out all the time. You're you might even be in school together oh, in yeah. some cases. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. poof, be gone. Um, the others that died of curse were uh, said to be Julian Beck, though he had stomach cancer, so not exactly tied. To Which the movie. one was he? Julian Beck was. Um, Wasn't he the? Um... Um, I think he's. I have him up here. He's one of the director types. Okay, so he's not the one I was thinking of. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Will Sampson, who died of complications of, of heart and lung. Now he's, or sorry, heart and lung transplant. Mm -hmm. He's um, another one of the, the older folks that was tied into the to the movies. And I. Now he was the he was the um, he was the shaman, I believe. Yes, I believe yeah. so. Mm -hmm. He was the one that took can't the, remember his the car name. at the end. Yeah. The station wagon. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he. The car is angry. The car is angry. <laughs> it wants to go with me. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I love that 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 quote. It was one of my favorite things at the end of the movie. Yep. Sorry. And then then there's a more recent addition that um, the gentleman who played Pugsley in the second movie. Pugsley. He's he's um. Oh, so he's. Of course, this is my brain shutting down now because I've calmed down for the puppies. Yay. Um. <laughs> He's not the brother. He's not the son, but I think he's one of the the the, the orbiting. I need to watch the movie again. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, one of the investigators that went into the house. I think so, but he his name is Lou Perryman, and he was murdered by an ex convict who had escaped. Oh, he just go figure. Oh goodness. Um, oh yeah, that reminds me. There were two stabbings in Folsom recently. Two, two prison guards today. Sorry, it just popped into my head. That's got nothing to do with what we're talking it about. It has but nothing okay. to do with it. I apologize. It <laughs> just popped into my head. Prison, I'm like, I know people who work there. Yeah, so do I we. Do a family check um, sorry. All the family check Randomness. Actually, I apologize, guys. Let's see. Near death or near near misses, um, which I think is funny because it should be near death, not near miss, but that's all right. Um, actor Richard Lawson, who played Ryan. Uh, he was on flight U.S. Flight 405, which crashed into to Flushing Bay in 92, while 27 out of 51 passengers on board lost their lives. He was a survivor. Goodness. That's a so, close call. That's a twist that's on the curse. Yeah. That's a twist. Um, let's see. There, with with the, the three movies, this is what that makes me giggle. This, this was, update was given to me or set out on my birthday this year. So, happy birthday to me, Poltergeist update. There you go. Yay! <laughs> Hi, I'm a geek. Um, yeah. We're all nerds Join here. It's all good. Join the club. Join the club. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> so, there were multiple deaths. Let your geek fly, fly. On, on set, mm -hmm. not just after set. 
Um, I've heard about some of these too. Not many. Uh, yeah, you hear more about the actors involved with Poltergeist, not so much of what happened on set. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. so, but there were quite a few, like you said. But go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt no you. Worries, no worries. Um, so yeah, here we go. A little bit more information from, from Julian Beck and Will Sampson. The creature is is um, evil creature Kane. Mm -hmm. Is Julian Beck. That's mm -hmm. why I can remember who he was. It's like one of the older guys for Julian around. I, I had a feeling that's who you were trying to get a hold of when you yeah. said his name. I couldn't I couldn't remember so, what who who and what, but he was diagnosed in eighty three, took his life immediately after he finished the film. Right. And that was the second one. Yeah. So he was diagnosed yeah. with cancer. Stomach cancer. Stomach cancer. So that's anytime right. okay. you see the, the the guy in the third movie, that's not him. It's yeah. a it's a mock a mock up, it's a prosthetic, it's whatever, it's just not it's, it's attempt to look alike. Yeah. yeah. Pretty convincing. Yeah, actually, pretty pretty good mock-up. Creep me out. Will Sampson, who played the who played Taylor, the Native American shaman, is the one who died. But the the when you get a heart and lung transplant, that is also a very slim, pardon me, a slim survival rate at that time. Well, oh, at that time, that's pretty invasive. Yeah, definitely. We've gotten much better. I mean, but you're talking about the early '80s. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a 50 50 or le even less. I think rolled the dice. Like a 15. Yeah, that's what pretty... I remember because, yeah, I fall down rabbit holes, but alas, so much knowledge that something has to spill out. out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, our brains can only take so much. Yes. <laughs> so, Castus were not the only agents of the curse's pro proliferation, as other particularly creepy legends around the film. Joe Beth Williams, who played Diane's mom, or sorry, played Diane Feeling mm -hmm. in the first two films. Claimed that director Spielberg insisted, you know, on actual human props to save money. Uh, in an effort to further creep out everyone involved, Samson, the real-life medicine man, passed away due to circumstances mentioned above. He performed an authentic exorcism after being wrapped up one night, and then he started, you know, he succumbed to his 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 uh, his ailment. The, the, yeah. The, yeah, heart, heart lung lungs. Ate his heart and lungs. That's a good question. Happen. Yes. Um, goodness. Well, an exorcism is a battle. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and and we all currently in this wonderful day and age we're going through have, have seen people have to deal with this battle. So. I've seen a few people lately that could use an exorcism. Oh, oh my, my yes. God. Fighting <laughs> mine as we speak. <laughs> Clench your jaw and breathe. Every yeah. freaking day, yeah. anyway. Who saw? Who saw? Let's see here. Uh, da, da, da. The going back to to more on Dominique, um, the twenty two year old who was playing the big sister. Mm -hmm. uh, she died four weeks. Sorry, on, on not four weeks. Uh, the fourth of November, which is one of my best friend's birthday. I'm so sorry, but at the same point, oh dear, Bob. Um, Four days after her boyfriend had choked her into a coma, he says that, you know, it was the end of an abusive relationship that people had known about. They were actually afraid for her on set, but wouldn't say anything because it's her life. She's over the age of 21. She knows what she's talking about. But um, she ended it. She was happy to end it. And he, because she wouldn't take him back, is you know, killed her. But he still can't say why. Again, the devil made him do it. Yes. Yeah. No, I think it was more of if he can't have her, no one will. That's my guess. Mm, probably, but, but I mean. Yeah. But yeah, this is, this if the devil made me do it. I know, here. it's yeah. just one of those things. Yep. Because I actually looked this up. 
he has a past history of he almost killed his previous girlfriend. Mm -hmm. He beat her into a a, a coma that didn't last, but like a couple of days or yeah. something. If I, yeah, I read up on this. So, so, so if, if he's got a previous history, then why oh why would they sit, sit, sit mm, the judiciary system buckles my brains, okay? He was convicted of voluntary manslaughter, sentenced in November 83, mm -hmm. to serve a six and a half year sentence minimum. Why was he released three years, eight months? God, for good behavior. I That's have our no judicial idea. system. At our work judicial right there. system is broken. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. She, 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 she is. I'm stuck here. Channel's working again. Yay. Well, Heather O'Rourke's. Click. Um, click, click, click. Yeah, I, need, I need a clicker, period. Um, Heather O'Rourke went from a, a playful child actress. They knew something was up. So, you know, she'd been having colds, she'd been having things. But no one ever put two and two together until between the second movie and the third movie. Um, that's when they realized. So she was having problems during yeah, the first she was movie. Problems the first movie. It wasn't major. Um, but they had said, you know, she had colds mm -hmm. and she was having problems eating things. But they let it go because every child had, you know, every child gets every sick. Child yeah. Gets sick. Mm -hmm. Uh, second movie to third movie, they that's when they began to realize there was something definitely wrong every time she ate. She would have stomach cramps. They thought it was something else going on. They checked her for, um, you know, the whole battery and went, oh, Crohn's disease. Well, in the 80s, I hadn't heard of Crohn's disease. Granted, I was a child, you know, small mm -hmm. child. My aunt has been dealing with Crohn's disease all of her life. Right. Mm -hmm. She wasn't diagnosed with Crohn's disease until 2000. Yeah, it's not something that you heard about a lot when we were kids. And um, being, you know, that a grown adult mm -hmm. only gets diagnosed 20 years ago, and she's been dealing with it for an additional 40 years beyond that. Shh, don't give her age away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, basically, <laughs> it just means that even, <laughs> even for an adult of that age, back then, there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, knowledge. Yeah on Crohn's disease or options. Nobody knew I mean, how to doctors knew what Crohn's disease was, but they had to treat know, it. My best guess says they didn't really know how to diagnose it. Yeah. Let alone treat it. Like you said, and especially so, so in a child, here's a 12 year old, mm -hmm. 11 year old presenting and you have to, you know, well, we're going to give her steroids. Well, right. Steroids are what's going to rush up your, your blood pressure and screw up your heart. And... <sighs> mm -hmm. Must've been massive doses to do that so fast. Oh, that's why she put on so much weight. That's why from two to three, you see her put on. So yeah, much. no, I know. Just and the dosage, the, the, the pain of, you know, septic shock is because something in her, her digestive system is what went bad and they, oh, now we know it's Crohn's disease. Now you've also lost a little girl, which is <sighs> sad, sad, very sad. Um, I love how I put these up in order and I keep them in order and they all go wonky. Um, we've already talked about that one and that one. Oh, Zelda Rubenstein. Everyone loves Zelda. Oh yeah. Oh, she's cool. Sorry. <laughs> she only appeared in the first movie, right? Yeah. She was supposed to be part of, of two, but she decided, no, I'm not going to, I've, I've, I've got to back off. Um, she, she reprised it in a spinoff series, but she 
in fact, when she passed away in 2010, natural natural causes. Was that Poltergeist Legacy we're thinking of then? I think so. Yeah. Was she on yeah, the series? Legacy. She was on the I'd, series. I had never saw enough of the series uh, to know. Me neither. Yeah. No one associates her with the curse, but she she said when she was passing, you know, 76 is, is young. She said, I'm too, I'm too young for this. Uh -huh. She said, I'm too, this is, it's getting me because she was part of the whole thing. Right. She, I, was it? I think she was sensitive. She, oh, very sensitive. She I believe she was. I mean, I've. It, oh, other I agree. Things she's done and, and other things. She and she's been in other things. She was in one of my favorite '80s movies, <laughs> Teen Witch. So yes. yes. <laughs> I, Sorry. I, no worries. <laughs> Zola's been around. Zola was part of the staple of my life, um, just because of, of I see her in things, and then I would hunt down what has she done. Uh -huh. She mm -hmm. would disappear, but she was never. She disappeared off camera, but she was still doing things for people. Right. And it's one of those, you know, I think I do believe she was sensitive. She wasn't sensitive. And she was really good at reading people mm -hmm. and being able to at least help. But to have her be 76 and go, I'm relatively young. I'm relatively healthy and I'm dying. Right. I know this is what's going on. That's probably she why she lasted so she much knows longer. It before she's even yeah. diagnosed with anything, before yeah. she even starts to feel ill. She just has that feeling. Yep. It probably made her ill. It made her feel ill doing it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Smart lady. Well, I thank you for that, Tracy. You actually <laughs> said it. You, you talked about a few things I was not aware of. Do you and still I have thought more? I knew everything about Poltergeist. Um, <laughs> the only thing I have that, that I, I, I have, no, not for the movies. I have something else. <laughs> Do you want to? It, it's just a Brandon Lee story. Go ahead. How how if you it's want not just Brandon Lee. It's it's you know we were talking about cursed movies. Are oh, you talking about the, the the Lee family? The Lee curse, family basically. curse. Yeah, we mm -hmm. we had discussed that yeah. before. Yeah. If you want to talk about, it, go, go ahead, ahead. Talk yeah. about it. By all means. Just, just you know take you know. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But it's just it was one of those things of. of it's okay, Tracy. It's extra credit. It's extra credit. Sure. <laughs> Share with the class. You already got the A. Just keep <laughs> <Yes>. going. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bruce is brought to the country by his father, mm -hmm. avoiding his family curse. Right. And when he came through, they changed his name to a girl's name because the first son is supposed to do things for the family and carry carry things. And right. Dad was tired of the curse being on him, so he tried to get rid of the curse by naming his son, his daughter, and fleeing. Well. Bruce and Brandon mirrored each other on sets, mirrored each other in their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On, I, I, I recall it, yes. Going through mm -hmm. there. Oh, yeah. Bruce died suddenly. Brandon died on set suddenly. The same funky circumstances. The prop master was supposed to be there. He wasn't there. The guy setting it up didn't make sure the chamber's correct because it's not his job. Mm -hmm. And boom. Bruce had the same thing, only it wasn't it wasn't a gun. It was the prop master wasn't there. He's supposed to be doing things. He's supposed to get things cleared up. He does the the, the stunt. Gone. Right. So now I'm looking at Brandon's son and daughter. And you're wondering. His son is first. Mm -hmm. And I'm hopeful that since he married a white person, that the ghost went or the the, the curse went. Eh, your blood's tainted now because I. Don't want to see someone. Well, I wouldn't bring race well, into see, it too much. See, I mean, Brandon was half Brandon's white. Brandon's half white too. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> enough of the bunch, but it's, it's enough. You're hoping it dilutes over time. Two two steps. In most Asian cultures, two steps break things. Mm -hmm. Three steps break things. Mm -hmm. So Dad took him out. That was step one. You have to deny it three times. Not far enough. Bruce gets married, has Brandon. That's step two. Mm -hmm. 
Brandon gets married, please let that be the third denial. Please let the spirits be happy and leave them alone. Yeah. Well, you know who I feel sorry for um, is the uh, the other actor and the crow, the one that actually shot him. Yes, he killed. He himself, had to live with that his yeah, whole life. He, I he, he I believe he eventually. No, I think he's still around. No, no I actually, he, he killed him. He's dead. He died, but it, he I didn't kill himself. He didn't. I no, thought no, he did. No. He, he just he stressed himself. I read something. I I forget what it was. He had yeah. It was. Uh, um, I think it was a heart condition actually, if I remember right. I don't I don't remember for sure, but one um, fun boy Michael Messi. Yeah. Fired at Lee at close range, you know, pierced him uh, before hitting the stem, stem, of, the stem of his aorta, mortally oh, wounding him. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone had been told before that Bruce, not Bruce, Brandon had um, said, no, keep filming. Reading this, the stories we were told from the set are different than what was told, it you know, was done on set. Like mm-hmm. they wanted, you wanted to hear the, the man behind the, you know, showing off how, how big he was, but if you clip the aorta, I'm sorry, that's that's not a, a I'm getting you're, back up and finishing a scene, which you're we not, all, all oh, no. heard. He was down. You're not talking, yeah. he was down. Yeah. And um he uh Michael he he Michael Massey perished at a young age, that's right, he did, um, without ever getting over the death. Mm-hmm. He never got through it. I think it was it, he was suicide by a drug overdose kind of thing. Um, it wasn't maybe an intentional suicide, but he he. I, I don't remember exactly. I, mean, I don't he, remember. He, still act, he was still acting. He, he was still doing things. Fourteen at sixty four, though he worked on a series of films um, throughout his career. It's going to bug me. He pulled the trigger on Lee, and um, it ate him up for the rest of his life. It doesn't say how. He What's his name again? Michael it's Massey. Michael Massey. M-A-S-S-E-E. There it is. Hold on one second. Uh, hold on. Yeah, it's right there. Just look for his death there. I'm working on it. <laughs> Sorry, she's looking it up. She really wants to know. So, so, um, the, the other crossovers on the set of Crow, the Crow of the last few days, there was an electrocution on set. Oh, no. Into the dragon. I, we're, we're all wrong. He died of stomach cancer. Well, that would eat him up. But he did have a big problem with drug would. drug use after a because of yeah. the the death Brandon Lee's death. Yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. I do remember reading that on a biography of him or something. More than one thing ate him up. Let's yeah, that way. So, so in, in the movie Into the Dragon, we touch on Dragon the story. Mm-hmm. Dragon the Bruce Lee story. We touch on Drag Into the Dragon. Right. Mm-hmm. In Into the Dragon, after Bruce's oh, excuse me. fun there, there's electrocution on site. So now we're doing the crow. Another, yeah. So many parallels. Oh yeah. Broke my brain. Like, yeah, I think the uh, <laughs> I did read on the crow about that electrocution. It involved a cherry, a picker. cherry picker, right? It got caught in a, in the rain, in a storm. Yes. And lightning flashed and hit the cherry picker and killed the killed the operator basically. Um, to be honest, it's, it's close uh, close to an incredibly awful accident. While the crew member was driving a cherry picker, set the lights and accidentally fell into a ditch. That wasn't worse of it, according, according to eyewitness, eyewitnesses. There's a narrow escape from his demise. He lifted up the cherry picker. The guys lifted up and went right into an electrical pole and was electrocuted. He was near death. Everything was burned. He was 26. His wife was pregnant. And it was bad luck opening the film. Quote, them. Terrible things happened. So he did pass. Okay. After death. He yeah. survived the ditch thing and then didn't survive and then electrocuted the, yeah. afterwards. Horrible. Falling in the ditch, it lift up everything, he goes in the electrical pole. 
it is kind of weird all these parallels yeah uh, there might be something to the family curse and, and so i'm hopeful that, that both children who have not got well now i take it back his daughter brandon's daughter did go into to movies for a little bit mm -hmm. but she stepped away i have not seen anything from his son other than talking about documentaries about his father right so i'm hopeful that he, if he keeps his nose clean mm -hmm. stays out of the limelight maybe <laughs> does something else with Double. his life <laughs> do not call upon the spirits of the ancestors if you do light lots of candles lots of offerings lots of fruit and say please just let me live please. definitely <laughs>
but um yeah yeah a lot of a lot of, a lot of actors went by way of speedball so a lot of went by way of accident accident yes. too yeah uh, lost thing, a, a lot of great comedians this way yeah. and, if, and if i you know my me interrupting here i do want to point out that these actors at the time of their death they had been given the script for a tuck so their deaths followed shortly after um, they had read these scripts mm-hmm. so just wanted to throw that out there. Sorry. Oh, yes. <laughs> I did my own research on this too. <laughs> Yay, yes. And you know what? You can talk over me all the time. I talked over her and interrupted her numerous times. So it's only fair. It's only fair. That's right. And this is also having a conversation. When yeah, you have a conversation, you oh, talk I'm not, over like people. Said, yeah, I know. We all do, don't we? Exactly. No. <laughs> the next gentleman. If we can talk. <laughs> the next comedian that uh, was involved was Sam Kinison. And he was up for the lead. And on Friday, April 10th, 1992, Kinnison was driving his white 1989 Pontiac 20th anniversary Turbo Trans Am and was struck head on on U.S. Route 95, four miles, about 6.4 kilometers north of Interstate 40 and around 15 miles, 24 kilometers northwest of Needles, California. I vaguely know where that is by a pickup truck. driven by a 17-year-old named Troy Pearson, who had been drinking alcohol. The pickup truck crossed the center line of the roadway and went into Kinnison's lane. At the time of the collision, Kinnison was traveling to Laughlin, Nevada, to perform at a sold-out show. Kinnison said uh, to no one in particular... I'm skipping a line. Excuse me. Kinnison was found lying between the seats of his car at the scene of the collision. He was not killed instantly, according to his brother. Kennison said to no one in particular, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. But then there was a pause as if Kennison were listening to someone. Then he asked, but why? And after another pause, okay, okay, okay. A friend who was with him said whatever voice was talking to him gave him the right answer and he just relaxed with it. Efforts to resuscitate him failed and Kennison died at the scene from internal injuries. An autopsy found... That he had suffered uh, numerous traumatic injuries, including a dislocation of the cervical spine, a torn aorta, and torn blood vessels in his abdominal cavity, which caused his death within minutes of the collision. Malika Sori, Kinnison's wife, whom he had married six days earlier, was rendered unconscious by the collision, but survived the accident with a mild concussion. Wow. If we ever do an episode on, on angelic intervention, I think I want to include this. Yes. That sounds kind of kind of along those lines, like he was talking to somebody. So he wasn't going alone, at yeah. least, you know. Yeah, which is comforting but sad at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. John Candy, in 1994, while on vacation from film production on Wagons East in Durango City, Mexico, Candy called his friends, including Canadian Football League Commissioner Larry Smith, and told them that he had just let go of his team and was putting it up for sale. He then called his assistant, who invited Candy to play golf with him in the spring when he returned to Toronto. After cooking a late-night lasagna dinner for friends, Candy turned in for what would be his final rest. Sometime after midnight on March 4, 1994, Candy was found dead from a presumed heart attack. The exact cause is uncertain as no autopsy was performed. He was 43 years old. In addition to his obesity, Candy tended to suffer attacks of binge eating in response to professional struggles and weighed in excess of 375 pounds at some points in his life. 
Candy had a number of risk factors for heart attack, including a strong family history. Both his father and his brothers had died prematurely of heart attacks. Although his children say he was unaware of his genetic risk. Smoking, ooh, smoking a pack of cigarettes, high alcohol use, and occasional use of cocaine contributed. So you just say he died of excess. Yeah, excess Very, of everything, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. That's only that's, a year older than me. That's, 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 Sorry. That's pretty no, young, no, actually, that's, still. That's, yeah. You're younger than me now, currently. But oh, much younger than me. The, <laughs> 33 and being a high-profile figure, why wasn't there an that's family must the family might not have wanted it and it looked like he went peacefully asleep it just wasn't always well this was 94 it wasn't done all that often even yeah. back then most big wigs got there you know i don't know it just to me it seems a little well family might have put it like you said if he died on it. if if it was determined that he died in his sleep and that there weren't any other Factors. Like he had, yeah. he had, he had. Yeah. And the family might have just said, friends, "You know, we're not so going. I mean, we don't yeah. want to publicize his death in that just, way." My suspicious mind currently is playing with things. So. I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> it is a little weird, actually, but who's yeah. to know? I lost my place. Hold on one second, guys. Okay. Click. Candy was concerned <laughs> hey, about <it> his. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Candy was concerned about his weight, frequently dieting, suffering attacks of bleh, suffered by relative. Okay, I lost my. Frequently dieting and exercising with trainers in light of his family history. Candy also had a family history of heart attacks suffered by relatively young men, and the actor was under significant degree of stress throughout the making of Wagons. I heard that thing was plagued too. It was. Mm -hmm. I, I remember. I actually saw only saw it once, but yeah, it was plagued. It's a wonder they finished it, from it wasn't what I even understand. That great of a film, as I recall. It was cheesy. It was it was low rent. It was mm -hmm. be be cheesy, not quite Killer Tomatoes cheesy, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't really be good either. But yeah. You know what though? They may have assumed the <laughs> they assumed the heart attack, and it with his family history. I mean, maybe that might be what it is. I don't know. Um, Sorry, I'm just, that was spec. That's my speculation. I don't know. <laughs> he died in his sleep. <laughs> of something. We miss yes. you, John Candy. Yo, we miss and, John Candy. There's so many things that you and Tennyson and everyone else could have done. But anyway. They were all great. Oh, getting cold? Sorry. No, I, I have a shoulder issue, so oh. I, that's why I bought this sweater to keep one arm warm. I'm not cold. It's oh. just stupid shoulder dislocation. I think we all have those issues. I didn't mean to point you out. I was just wondering if you were cold. I dreamt about punching nuns. This is what happens when you punch nuns in your sleep is you sleep on the wrong side. You punch the arm left, or punch the nun with your left arm while you're laying on your left side. You dislocate your shoulder. Your well, poor husband. Can, at least punching nuns is... <laughs> he was facing the other direction. Oh, punching hey, nuns at least is at least can... justifiable. My, my hand, I got the arthritis and it's from punching boxes. <laughs> it's okay. Well, I was really angry at the time. Apparently. Anyway, <laughs> another great comedian we, we lost too early was Chris Farley. Mm -hmm. I think he was also a speedball victim. But anyway, on December 18th, 1997, not laughing about his death, just the irony here. Uh, Farley was found dead by his younger brother, John, and in a, his apartment in the John Hancock Center in Chicago. He was 33 years old. An autopsy revealed that Farley had died of an overdose. Uh, oh, no, not speedball. Uh, an overdose of cocaine and morphine, a combination. No, it was. It's still so a how, speedball. 
heroin and, and, and well, heroin is, is you're combining two different drugs is why they call they it call a speedball speed okay as well because heroin is in, in morphine they're both very addicting and they're both okay that makes sense now i was like uh -huh. wait a minute a combination called speedball advanced arthrosclerosis yeah i can't talk was cited as a significant contributing factor farley's death has been Compared to that of SNL idol, his SNL idol, John Belushi. Yeah, see, that's it was a speedball. I was right. Who died at the same at the same age of a similar? Oh yeah, that's right. He was thirty three, wasn't he? SNL connection there. They were both on SNL. Both so. died at thirty three from speedball. Wasn't Kinison on? No, Kinison no, wasn't. I think he's. I think he was on the show at one point in time. Well, but. you know what? So was Carlin, and he actually hosted the very first SNL. So I mean. I don't know. Didn't he host it? Yeah, it was the first one. Yes, but Carlin also lived to 74. So Yes, he lived to a ripe old age. <laughs> his last show that I saw in Sacramento, even though he had that old man shuffle, was still sharp as a tack. Oh, yeah. So acidic. I was so happy to see that show. Just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love Carlin. Sorry. <laughs> Michael O'Donohue. Uh, he was born January 5th, 1940. Died November 8th, 1994. Was an American writer and performer. He was known for his dark and destructive style of comedy and humor. Was a major contributor to National Lampoon magazine. Always great. And was the first head writer of Saturday Night Live. He was also the first performer to utter a line on that series. O'Donohue suffered a long history of chronic migraines. Uh, and he, when he died on November 8th, 1994, uh, he died of a cerebral hemorrhage at age 54. I'm afraid when my head, my migraines hit that bad. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, changes I get the one right. Now. I get the pain right behind my eye. It's like I can't it's see out of one of my eyes yeah, every time yeah. I get my migraines. So yeah. The worst part was when, when leaving a, a, a stage thing that I was helping out with for for uh, find Amber Suites. I was helping out with them. Mm -hmm. I left. I had told cast mom I'm going home. I texted her when I got home. She was very happy because they had put new uh, LED lights on the road between my house and the theater, which is only a mile and a half. Right. But because of the lights of the theater, the migraine, I would lose the left eye, get my left eye back, lose the right eye, get the right eye back. Trying to drive home because no one else is old enough that's not working on the set or working on stage to drive my happy butt home. It's a challenge. I evidently got a standing ovation for getting home in one piece. Congratulations. I'm glad you got home in one piece too. We like you. Let's keep you around. <laughs> yeah, we need you here. Yeah, you need to be here. <laughs> cool. Anyway, continue. Okay, next gentleman and comedian that we lost was Phil Hartman. Hartman married former model and aspiring actress Bryn... Okay. Omdahl. 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 Born Vicky Joe Omdahl, April 11, 1958 to May 28, 1998. In November of 1987, having met her on a blind date the previous year uh they had two children sean and bergen hartman the marriage had difficulties bryn reportedly felt intimidated by her husband's success and was frustrated she could not find any on her own although neither party wanted a divorce bryn was reported to have been jealous and often verbally and and or physically abusive even sending a letter to hartman's ex-wife strain I lost my place. Strain threatened to rip Strain's eyes out if she spoke to Hartman again. Hartman considered retiring to save the marriage. 
Whoa. Hartman tried to get Bryn acting roles, but she became progressively more reliant on narcotics and alcohol, entering rehab several times. On multiple occasions, Hartman had to remove their children from the household to stay with friends or family because Bryn's drug and alcohol fueled outbursts. Because of his close friendship with SNL associate Jan Hooks, Bryn joked on occasion that Hooks and Hartman were married on some other level. Bryn was written. Bryn had written threatening letters addressed to Hooks, warning her to not get close to her husband, but they appeared to have never been sent. Discovered in her belongings following her death. Bryn visited the Italian restaurant Buca di Beppo in Encino, California, producer and writer Christine Zander, who was who said she was in a good frame of mind. After returning home, Bryn had a heated argument with her husband, after which she went to bed. While Hartman slept, Bryn entered the bedroom on May 28, 1998, sometime before 3 a.m. Pacific time, with a 38 caliber handgun and fatally shot him. Once between the eyes, once in the throat, and once in the upper chest. That's not Man, a good that's state over- of mind. That's overkill. So that, that's take out your brain, take out your, your, your throat and your, your voice and take out your heart. Hmm. Dead, dead, dead. I think you have uncovered an SNL curse that's going on here. Not yeah, it sounds this. like it. Seems that way. But they're all connected to this movie too, yes. this ATAC movie. Uh, he was 49 years old. She was taking Zoloft and been drinking alcohol. And yeah, that's going to do it. Zoloft and alcohol are a no-no. It's her own version of a speedball. Oh, had been drinking <laughs> and recently used co- oh, cocaine too. So yeah, it is It is her own version of a speedball. Bryn drove to the home of her friend Ron Douglas and confessed to the killing, but initially he didn't believe her. The, the pair drove back to the house in separate cars and Bryn called another friend and confessed a second time. Upon seeing Hartman's body, Douglas called 911 at 6.20 a.m. Police arrived and escorted Douglas and the Hartman's two children from the premises. Oh, I thought the children weren't there. I this whole time growing up, or when I first when this yeah. happened, I I didn't they, I had heard that the children weren't there. Oh, she could have killed the kids too. Sorry. Oh, that's horrible. Uh, from the premises, by which time Bryn had locked herself in the bedroom and committed suicide. Oh, babies. The thank God they survived though. Yes. Sorry, there's oh, more, yeah. but I just. <laughs> Whoa, sorry. Uh, I That's something even I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles police stated Hartman's death was caused by do- domestic discord, I'll say, between the couple. You think? You think? <laughs> uh, a friend alleged that, I'm not I'm not trying to joke or make funny of this or anything like this. It's very sad. Uh, a friend alleged that Bryn had trouble controlling her anger. She got, uh, she's probably got borderline personality disorder. This would be my guess. Oh, uh, from what I understand of it, she got uh, attention by losing her temper. Yep, sounds like it. A neighbor of the Hartmans told CNN reporter that the couple had marital problems. Yet actor Steve Gutenberg said that they had been a very happy couple and had always always had the appearance of being well-balanced. Uh, people hide things very well. Appearance. We're talking publicly, basically. They're not yeah. the neighbors. They don't see and hear everything. The face that you show mm-hmm. is not the face that you have. Exactly. Definitely. Before the killing, Bryn had been taking antidepressant drug Zoloft. A wrongful death lawsuit was filled in 99 by her brother, Gregory Omdahl, against Pfizer, the drugs manufacturer, and her children's psychiatrist, her child psychiatrist, Arthur Swarovski, 
who provided samples of Zoloft to Brent. Oh, she, samples. So she wasn't even prescribed it. Oh, my gosh. She's taking it recreationally. Uh, Hartman's friend and former SNL colleague, John Lovitz, had accused Hartman's then news radio co-star Andy Dick of reintroducing Brent to cocaine causing her to relapse and suffer a nervous breakdown. Dick claims to have known nothing of her condition. Lovitz later said that he didn't blame him anymore for Hartman's murder. But in 2006, Lovitz claimed that Dick had approached him at a restaurant and said, I put the Hartman hex on you. You're the next one to die. God. Lovitz then had him like thrown out of the room. No, not Lovitz. Oh, Lovitz didn't say that. Dick, okay. Andy Dick said this to Lovitz. Well, Lovitz, like some Andy Dick would say too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Lovitz <laughs> then had him thrown out of the restaurant the following year. At the Laugh Factory Comedy Club in L.A., Lovitz and Dick had another argument. Dick asserted that he was not at fault in relation to Hartman's death. Whoa, that's still heavy. I'm still yeah. tripping off the fact that the kids were there. Well, I, was, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought it was kind of heavy when I first heard about a shooting, let alone knowing about the kids. And I didn't because I had always stability. heard them say that the kids were in a family friends when this happened. That might have been the official story yeah, initially. There's, there's things, you know, things change get, later, yeah. Mm -hmm. Things to make the public happy. Things come out later, definitely. They're not the same thing that you know uh -huh. come out to public record, yeah. So do you need a breather? Are you good? No, no. Need a breather? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna skip over her last one for now, <laughs> and we'll go on to mine. Uh, mine's gonna cover a lot of ground because it covers several different uh, movies and television. Actually, we're talking about the Superman curse. So the Superman curse refers to a series of supposedly related misfortunes that have plagued creative people involving the adaptations of Superman in various media. So not just the television, but movies also. Uh, particularly, it involves the actors who have played the role of Superman on film and television. The curse is frequently associated with George Reeves, of course, who starred in The Adventures of Superman on television from 1952 to 1958 and died of a gunshot wound at age 45 under disputed circumstances, officially ruled a suicide. Um, Christopher Reeve, who played the superhero in four theatrical films from 78 to 87, was paralyzed in 95 horseback riding accident and died nine years later at age 52 from heart failure. Um, did you get, either one of you guys ever see Hollywood Land? No. Speaking of which, well, that's about George Reeves. That's his story. Okay. And, and the, the, uh, if the movie if memory serves, actually has three different endings, three possible endings for how he actually died. Okay. Oh, yeah, Hollywood Land. You saw that. The black and white one? Yeah. Yeah, it was actually really, really good. It was no, not the black and white one. It was the or, color with that had Ben Affleck playing George Reeve. But they had it kind of sepia color. Never mind. No. It, 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 never mind. I'll shut up. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> it was good, so, and I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It was, yeah, I watched this. Okay. Yes. Yeah, really it was good. actually a really good movie. It was, actually. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the curse is often invoked whenever misfortune or experienced by actors and other personnel. I'm sorry, whenever misfortune is experienced by actors and other personnel who work on Superman adapt adaptations. So much so that some talent agents cite the curse as the reason for the difficulty in casting actors in the role of the live action feature films. A more prosaic explanation for the alleged curse is that given the high number of people involved in the many adaptations and treatments of Superman, over a story in, in over the years, a number of significant misfortunes would inevitably occur, which makes you know, sense. So many, too, you know, so many people, something's bound to happen to somebody. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm going to go over a couple of the actors um, who supposedly succumbed to the curse here. The first one is Kirk Allen. Now, I don't know if you guys know who he is. He's actually, he's kind of attributed to being the first Superman in television. 
and and movies. Um, Kirk Allen was uh, he was an uh, an up and coming actor at the time. He had a lot of uh, roles in in forties uh, movies, uh, playing detectives and things like that. Uh, really handsome guy. He got a lot of lead roles as as a result. And he was approached in in the forties to to uh, play Superman, basically. Um, he took the role, and this supposedly is what killed his career. Uh, he played Superman in two low-budget 1940s serials, but failed to find work afterwards. Because he was too closely identified with the role, as a result, he was relegated to voiceovers, commercials, and uncredited screen roles. He later appeared as Lois Lane's father in the 78 Superman film, Alan had Alzheimer's disease later in his life and died in 99, 1999 at the age of 88. So he actually lived a pretty long life. But you know, he was basically persona non grata in Hollywood after Superman. It ruined his career. It ruined his career, right. Um, two, move, two serials and it ruins your career. I've, I've seen some of, some of the old serials. And this one, they actually were able to make him fly. Okay. But the, the way they did it, actually, they animated the flying. So anytime you see him fly, it's a cartoon. <laughs> anytime he picks up Lois and flies, it's a cartoon. But it was done so seamlessly too. It was, you know, it was, it was kind of kind of amazing to see it go from live action to animation, like that, and then back to live action again. It could be done. Yeah. We just lost the idea for a while. We just didn't have didn't have the means to do it. Yeah. yeah. So the next actor would be Lee, Lee Quigley. He played Superman as the baby, as baby Superman, basically, in the 78 film. This guy died in 91 at the age of 14 of solvent abuse. So, you know. Don't, uh, who died yeah, of solvent abuse? Lee, Lee Quigley. He played baby Superman. Baby Superman. In the well, 78 movie, say, in Christopher yeah. Reeves' movie. Oh, he played, okay, young Superman. Okay. Yep. I get it when now. When lifted the car. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just couldn't hear you. And, of course, me. George Reeves. Played Superman in the 51 film Superman and the Mole Men. So he started out in the film first. And the ensuing television series, The Adventures of Superman. Like Aelin and Reeve, he was too closely associated with the role to find further work. And he had had roles before. As a matter of fact, Gone with the Wind, he played one of the twins that was courting Scarlett O'Hare in the beginning of the film. The red-haired twins. So. I don't also, another movie I need to rewatch. Sorry, randomness. <laughs> you always need to rewatch that one. That's one of my over favorites. and over and over again. Yes. Um, on June sixteenth, fifty nine, uh, days before he was to be married, Reeves was found dead of a gunshot wound at his home with his Luger near him. The death was ruled a suicide, but controversy surrounds the death, as Reeves' fingerprints were never found on the gun and had been having an affair with the wife of MGM exec Eddie Mannix. It was Reeves' death that inspired the conspiracy theories and the urban legend of a curse associated with the character. There's a lot on this. I could do a whole episode just on Christopher. Uh, I'm sorry, on George Reeves alone. Yes. Just, just for the, just for the way he died. You know, nothing else. But anyway, I'm digressing. So let's go on to the next <laughs> one. Uh, Christopher Reeve played Superman, Clark Kent in the Superman film series, Superman the movie, Superman Two. I'm sorry. 1978 for the movie, Superman 2 in 1980, Superman 3 in 1983, and, and the worst one, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace in 1987. <laughs> Can we just forget about that one? Yeah, I'd like to. 
Like Kirk Galen, Reeve was so closely identified with the character that it was difficult for him to acquire lead parts in other films. Although he did he have a few, did. I do. He I still do. did. He did. Yes. Yeah. Wasn't it uh, that somewhere time, in time? Somewhere that was in time. one of my Dude. one of my favorites, actually. Oh, I know which one you're talking evil. about. Him and Michael Caine. Yeah. And yeah, that was a that was oh. a dark role. But he still managed. He still did better than Alan. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is true. So, but there's other issues that happen to befall him this later. Yep. But anyway, aside from those, he was largely relegated to the Superman sequels and supporting roles. Reeves was paralyzed from the neck down after being thrown from his horse in a cross-country equestrian riding event on May 27, 1995. Reeves died on October 10, 2004, age 52, 15 days after his birthday. No official autopsy was performed on the actor, but both Reeves' wife Dana and his doctor John McDonald believed that an adverse reaction to a drug caused Reeves' death caused him i think to stop breathing and i know he had one more like claim to the suit he had one more claim to the superman legacy though as i recall do you remember watching smallville and seeing him on there yeah he was on that smallville. doctor who was Playing who doctor. was deciphering the kryptonian language yep i remember that yeah it was very meta <laughs> see him on that show back then uh, it was it was it was like geek nerd fanboy stuff at, at, um the, the what's it called um supergirl where we've got Oh yeah, yeah. We, we got, we got Dean Kane yeah, and Kane uh, in there. and um, and and Michael, not Michael, um, young Superman shops up there too. It's like okay, mm -hmm. we got yeah. Oh, well, yeah. even the woman who plays her mother, she was Supergirl. Oh. Um, crap, why can't I remember her name? Now, now. Oh well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brain, uh -huh. brain fart. Sorry, folks. <laughs> anyway. Watch Supergirl. <laughs> watch the entire super line yes it's worth it except for the one movie we don't yeah, want skip, everybody to watch four. skip, skip four, four. <laughs> save, your, save yourself save yourself okay. save your brain so other alleged victims <laughs> sorry include marlon brando who played jor-el in the 78 film uh cited for the misfortune he suffered in his private life such as his son christian shooting of his half-sister cheyenne's boyfriend in 1990 and subsequent five-year imprisonment brando's own admission in court that he had failed his son and daughter his daughter's 95 suicide and his later reclusiveness he died in july 2004 three months before his superman co-star christopher reeve footage of him would later be posthumously used in 2006's superman returns margot kidder who played superman's love interest lois lane opposite christopher reeve had bipolar disorder mm -hmm. In April of 96, she went missing for several days and was found by police in a paranoid delusional state. Mm -hmm. She had a psychotic break, poor mm -hmm. woman. Kidder dismissed the notion of a curse, though, remarking in a 2002 interview, that is all newspaper-created rubbish. The idea cracks me up. What about the luck of Superman? When my car crashed this August, if I hadn't hit a telegraph pole after rolling three times, I would have dropped down a 50-foot to 60-foot ravine. Why don't people focus on that? This is true. Makes sense. <laughs> Wasn't there a telegraph pole in yeah. movie too? Yes, there was. <laughs> Parallels. <laughs> Kidder died on May 13th, 2018 in Livingston, Montana after a drug and alcohol overdose. Here we go again, folks. Her death was ruled a suicide. After years and years of issues with her 
bipolar issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Richard man. Pryor, comedian who previously had a drug addiction that led to a near fatal suicide attempt, starred as villain Gus Gorman in the in 1983 Superman three, which was okay, but. He, that was probably one actor that probably should not have been in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but he later took Superman's side near the end of the movie and became a hero. Three years later, he announced that he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. He died of a heart attack on December 10th, 2005, at the age of 65. Curse has been mentioned regarding the death of actress Dana Reeve, the widow of actor Christopher Reeve, who, despite being a non-smoker, died of lung cancer in 2006 at the age of 44. So take oh, yeah, that. She take died that as young, you didn't she? Yes, she did. Then we go to the to the big I didn't names know here. She had died. Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. The writer and artist who created Superman sold the rights to the creation of DC Comics for a relatively small amount of money, in contrast to the amount of the money the character has generated over the decades. Despite the repeated efforts over the course of the rest of their lives to recover legal ownership of Superman and a share in the immense profits that the character brought to DC Comics. DC's copyright on the character was renewed. By the 1950s, Schuster's worsening eyesight prevented him from drawing, and he worked as a delivery man in order to earn a living. Jerry Robinson claimed that Schuster had delivered a package to the DC building, embarrassing the employees. He was summoned to the CEO, given $100, and told to buy a new coat and find another job. By 1976, Schuster was almost blind and living in a California nursing home. In 75, Siegel launched a public a publicity campaign in which Schuster's partic- in which Schuster participated, excuse me, protesting DC Comics treatment of him and Schuster. In the face of a great deal of negative publicity over their handling of the affair, and with the Superman movie coming soon, DC's parent company, Warner Communications, reinstated the byline, dropped more than 30 years earlier, and granted the pair a lifetime pension of twenty thousand dollars a year plus health benefits. The first issue with a restored credit was Superman, Volume 1, Number 302, August 76. Siegel died in 96 and Schuster in 92. Brothers um, Max Fleischer and Dave Fleischer. I'm sorry, you want to say something? Not a lot of money, but better than nothing. Well, at least they got something. Something. Out of it, yeah. yeah, no, better than nothing. Huh? You know, $20,000 a year back in the, in the 90s. It's. Actually, it was 76. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Well, even better. That's quite a sum of money back then. Yeah. So anyway, brothers Max Fleischer and Dave Fleischer of Fleischer Studios, who produced the Paramount Superman cartoons, began to quarrel with one another, and their studios suffered financial disaster. After selling to Paramount Studios, the new owners fired the two brothers. One of them died in poverty. So curse affects everybody, basically, here, they say. It's wide-reaching. Yep. DVD crew of Superman Returns. Even the crew, even the DVD crew gets it. The curse was invoked after three people involved in the creation of the Superman Returns DVD were injured. One of them fell down a flight of stairs. Another was mugged and physically assaulted. And a third smashed into a glass window. Like walked through it? Something like that, yeah. Oh, that's one clean window if you're going to walk through something like exactly. that. Exactly. You know what happens to the birds. Director Brian Singer remarked, my DVD crew absorbed the curse force. (laughs) Well, good luck to the crew, I guess. Allison Mack, now we've all heard of what happened to Allison Mack, but I'm going to say it here anyway, who played Chloe Sullivan. Let me try that again. She played Chloe Sullivan on the TV series Smallville. She was accused of sex trafficking and forced human labor and was arrested in April 2018 on those charges. 
An article on Fox News speculated whether this was relating to the curse. I don't know. She's the reason I started watching Smallville. Yeah, in, in the first place. Well, and, and it took I like her three character. Seasons to come into it. Yeah, I, I like the character. She was very quirky. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and and I had read something. I read someone's fanfic. I'm like, is this what she's supposed to be like? Okay, I hope. I, oh, she is like this. Mm -hmm. I watched Smallville at the beginning. I'm like, this this is completely yeah. souring me on everybody. And and myself, I still wonder just how much involvement she had with that whole uh, yeah. sex thing. It's. Her and what's her name, who played Lana Lang, were both indicted. Yeah. yeah. Whether they, I don't know if anything happened. I it seems heard. to me that she was kind of brought in in this cult like atmosphere and just brainwashed into it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I personally, I don't think she's fully to blame, but we don't know, though. When we, we don't there. know. We weren't there yet, but, you know, she's taking a part of the blame one way or another. Whether Sadly, it's ruined it her career. Very sadly. Yep. She was good at what she did, though. So. So Lane Smith, who played Perry White in the TV series Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Oh, I skipped. Sorry. sorry. Well-known Hollywood Boulevard Superman Christopher Dennis battled drug use and homelessness for several years. You know, you know the Hollywood Superman, the one Take that's on the street. Take pictures with me and the star. Yeah. Walk up fame stars. Exactly. Uh, he was subsequently found dead inside a closed donation box on November 2nd, 2019. How? I don't know. Sorry, that just boggles the mind. I'm not. Yeah. yeah but Sorry. Superman movie actor Christopher Reeve both died at the age of 52. Uh, back to Lane Smith. Sorry. He played Perry White in the TV series Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. He was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, in April 4, 2004. He died of the disease at his home in Northridge, California, on June 13, 2005, at the age of 69. He lasted a long time. It, people with ALS don't usually make it to almost 70. Yeah. yeah. That's rare. Sorry. I just. Definitely. Everybody but I've ever known. I loved known. him as Perry White, though. He was great on that show. Oh, he was, he was wonderful. Great. I love, I love Lois and Clark. Great shades I, of Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And as you said that, I just picture of his face popped into my mind yep. <laughs> with the sunglasses dressed as Elvis when he did it on the show. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> so now I'm going to get to the infamous Kevin Spacey. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Played Lex Luthor in Superman Returns in October 2017. Spacey was accused of several sexual harassments and assaults from various men, including actor Anthony Rapp, who accused Spacey of making a sexual advance toward him in 1986 when Rapp was 14. Is it Rap the guy from uh, Rent? Yeah, I think he might be. Never. I've seen part of Rent. I own Rent. It has not been opened out of its DVD case. So just a little bit was enough for you. Yeah, it was. <laughs> as, as, as a child yes, raised. that is who he is. He played. Um, Do you want to play Mark? Yeah, he played Mark. Okay. Mark Cohen. Yes, I've seen Rent too. A, a, a I forced him to see Rent. I love the movie. A, a child raised by all the musicals, Rent just didn't catch my attention. You know, I understand you're talking to a guy who's a phantom boy, so you know. Yeah. I, I get it. I'm a big Cats fan, but I like Les Mis. I, 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 <laughs> Phantom's good. I, I like most stuff. I still want to see Avenue Q. It was amazing. I so want to see it. Sorry. <laughs> Yes, I know. It's a lot of swear words and whatnot, but... Uh, hey, it's Sesame Street for adults. It's I cool. love it. I love it. Sorry. Okay, 
I've seen clips. So anyway, now that we digress again. <laughs> My fault. Sorry, guys. <laughs> in December 2018, Spacey was charged with indecent assault and battery in relation to the accusation by anchor woman Heather Unruh that he was sexually assaulted, that he had sexually assaulted her 18-year-old son. But by July 2019, the criminal charge had been dropped. As a result of the allegations, Netflix cut ties with Spacey, shelving his film gore and removing him from the last season of House of Cards. Spacey's role as J. Paul Getty in Ridley Scott's film All the Money in the World in 2017 was reshot with actor Christopher Plummer in his place. Hmm. Didn't know that one. In 2018, Billionaire Boys Club, which had been completed before the allegation service, was released with Spacey's role and changed. Yeah, that would have cost a whole lot more money to redo that one. So not just the actors, but even the directors were part of this, Chris, apparently. Brian Singer directed the, two, the 2006 film Superman Returns, as we all know. When Singer directed the Queen biographical film Bohemian Rhapsody in 2018, he was fired from the film shortly before its completion in December of 2017 for, for absence and clashing with the cast and crew. Dexter Fletcher was hired as Singer's replacement as director to complete the film. Since 97, a number of boys and men have alleged that Singer sexually assaulted them as minors. Singer was de has denied all the allegations. The British Academy of Film and Television Arts removed Singer's name from Bohemian Rhapsody's 2019 nomination for the BAFTA Award for Best British Film because of the allegations against him. Johnny Lewis played a minor character in the show Smallville. In 2012, police were called by neighbors after Lewis violently attacked two people at the property next door, and his elderly landlady, Catherine Davis, was heard screaming. Upon arriving, officers from the Los Angeles Police Department found Lewis's body on the home's driveway. Davis was found dead inside the house, having suffered severe head injuries. Her pet cat, Jessie, was also found dead on a platform or in the bathroom. Sorry about that. Neighbors reported that Lewis had jumped over a fence to the next door property, assaulted a house painter and the homeowner, and then jumped back over the fence onto his property. According to the LAPD, Lewis then either fell or jumped from the roof, garage, or patio of Davis's house. Davis's death was investigated as a homicide, and it was later determined that Lewis had killed Davis by manual strangulation and blunt force trauma to her head, and also killed her cat. Lewis had a history of drug abuse, sorry, leading <laughs> to speculation by his attorney that the actor may have suffered a drug-induced psychosis when he allegedly killed his landlady. However, toxicology reports came back negative for alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, psychedelic drugs, and antipsychotic medications. And I have to apologize about the whole cat thing. It just, some things just strike you funny and you can't help but laugh. We are very much animal lovers. Just to let you know, we would never harm an animal. Oh, and... Uh... Anyway, they walk in front of you in the dark halls when you can't see them, and mm -hmm. they go oof, and you look at them saying, "I'm so sorry." Wait, sorry, that was odorous this morning. Uh, we have our own yeah. problems, as I understand, and they they just tripping two, on the stairs. Just... Yeah, a little one. Uh, let's see, Callie got me this morning. I almost fell face first down the stairs. My dog, where is she? Oh, let me see if I can get through the rest of this real quickly. I'm also going to talk about Superman actors who generally be are believed to have become victims of the curse. I'm sorry, not generally. Oh, believed. and the gentleman that died after killing the landlady and the cat may have just had a psychotic break. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Doesn't so anyway, necessarily have to be drugs. Actors generally believed to have not become victims of the curse. First one is Dean Cain. Mm -hmm. Still alive, still acting, still doing good. 
Uh, he's done not only The Adventure of Superman, but he had roles on Frasier and Law and & Order, as well as made-for-TV movies. Um, he's had appearances in two other Superman-related series. In an episode of Smallville as the villainous Dr. Curtis Knox and the recurring role of Supergirl as the title character's foster father, Jeremiah Danvers. I think the only person he's dealing with is the curse of the infomercial. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I liked watching um, him when we did Ripley's. Yeah, I was going to say, they didn't mention yeah. Ripley's. They didn't here. mention Ripley's. Yeah. I loved Ripley's. It was like my addiction because it was quirky and short. Kept your attention. Yep. Bud Collier voiced the first series of Superman cartoons from 41 to 43. Went on to enjoy a career in TV, hosting the game show to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. He returned to Superman by voicing the new adventures of Superman for CBS in 1966, which I used to watch as a kid. <laughs> he died of uh, he died in 69 of a circulatory ailment at the age of 61. Voice actors have generally been considered not to be affected by the curse. Brandon Ralph, who plays Superman in 2006 film Superman Returns, dismissed the notion of the curse, obviously. He's gone on to play the Atom, Ray mm-hmm. Palmer, in the CW series, in several of them, Arrow and uh, I liked him as the Atom. Legends. And he reprised his role as Superman for Crisis on Infinite Earths, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he played the Kingdom Come Superman, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> Bob Holiday played Superman on Broadway in the 60s musical, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. Uh, from what I understand, it was a really silly play. Was the Spider-Man play kind of silly too, musical or whatever? Uh, it was, it, they bombed that I one. I heard that bomb pretty bad, but wasn't it silly too? Yeah, well, speaking of silly, he called the idea of Superman her silly and said it's nothing but good game. Nothing but good came from playing Superman for him. For him, yeah. Henry Cavill, who is, you know, Doing hot, very hot well, bot yes. Superman. Uh, oh, yeah, played Superman in Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League, and said that he does not believe there's a Superman curse, and that incidents thought to be evidence of it were explained by bad luck. And naturally, he thinks that because he's still up to play Superman, from what I understand. I he also refuses Witcher powers to defeat them. Oh, oh yes, yeah, definitely. Love that definitely. show. Oh. oh, man. Sorry. Okay, I've got two more here. Tyler Hecklin, who plays Superman and Supergirl, and is about to have his own series. And uh, what was it, The Adventures of Superman and Lois, I think they're calling it? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what it says here. Assume starting his own series. Robert Ridgely voiced Superman in Super Friends and had an extensive career both in cartoon voiceovers and live action acting. He died of cancer in 97. Not necessarily a curse. No, just... not tied to the curse. No. Just, he had a long and, and brilliant career as a voice actor, which was pretty awesome. I know we're going a little long, folks, but we've got one more to do. Adri, would you like to get started? Sure. Uh, this is another cursed movie that's so cursed it's never been made. It's called The Confederacy of Dunces, a movie 33 years in the making and Hollywood has been trying to turn John Kennedy Toole's Pulitzer Prize winning novel, A Confederacy of Dunces, into a movie for 33 years, ever since it was first published in 1980. Various things have held up the produ- held up production of the film over the years, including the deaths of four potential of four of four of its potential <laughs> stars, a lawsuit, a devastating hurricane and a devastating hurricane writers and directors like Harold Ramis, John Waters, Steven Soderbergh and Stephen Fry have all come and gone, but let's take a look now at eight actors who almost played the lead role of Ignatius J. Riley at one point or another. And what went wrong? 
John Belushi, as the movie industry's resident heavyset funny guy at the time, Belushi was the first choice for the part by Fox assistant producer Scott Kramer, who's been working on getting this movie made on and off since 1980 and is still trying to put the wheels in motion today. Belushi was interested in the lead role when Kramer approached him. He loved it, recalls Belushi's manager, Bernie Rillstein, in a 1999 piece on the off-delayed movie in the Wall Street Journal. I've never known a comedian who didn't want to be a dramatic actor. Belushi asked frequent SNL host Buck Henry, who's also the Oscar-nominated screenwriter of The Graduate, if he wanted to work on the script. I actively voted against it, Henry tells the Wall Street Journal. The book breaks down into two tones that don't go together wild social satire and southern gothic richard pryor and ruth gordon were attached to co-star in the roles of burma jones and irene riley respectively with harold ramus directing belushi passed away of a drug overdose in march 82 two days before he was supposed to meet with scott kramer to discuss the movie five months later the head of the Louisiana Film Commission, Joe Beth Bolton, was killed in a murder-suicide. She had been in talks to let Kramer film on location in New Orleans, but her death put the movie on hold. And next, on to John Candy. After Belushi died, an oil heir named John Langdon bought up rights to the book and considered Belushi's second city theater comrade John Candy to play Ignatius. Langdon in concluded that Candy was capable of playing crazy characters, but wasn't over the top enough for the role. John could act insane, but wasn't, he explained. <laughs> Next is Jonathan Winters. Comedian Jonathan Winters was Langdon's top choice for, this, for to star in Confederacy, but he soon decided Winters, who was 56 at the time, was too old to play 30-year-old Ignatius. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> almost by 30 years. Oh, just question? real quick i'm sorry uh i don't know why but every time i think of john candy the the line that always pops into my head is your wife's on my whammo <laughs> <laughs> all right and now the next actor was josh mostel another actor considered for the part of ignatius in 82 was broadway and movie star josh mostel who played the tv version of john belushi's animal house character Bluto Blutarski in the TV spinoff Animals the House, Animal House. Bluto uh, Blutarski says Mandy Walker, who was working on the screenplay at the time, I had lunch with every fat actor in Hollywood. Well, that's nice. Um, <laughs> Divine was also considered. Filmmaker John Waters attempted to adapt Confederacy in 1980 with in the 80s with drag queen Divine in in mind for the role of Ignatius. Here's Waters talking to Best of New Orleans about the project. Uh, it'll never happen. How can a movie ever live up to that book? So many people have tried to do it. When I tried to do it, it was when Divine was alive and we wanted him to play the main part, Ignatius Riley. Some of the top directors in the world have tried to make that movie and I don't know if it will, if, if it'll ever happen. Maybe it shouldn't kind of a weird pairing you know you think about jim you think about john belushi john candy josh mostel divine divine uh but he played man he played oh, he no, wasn't I, just I, a drag queen that. it's, it's just it's just a different sort of comedian you, you, you know not not you wouldn't was, really associate him with with yeah but he played he divine. played one of the um <laughs> the uh 
TV show executives on Hairspray. Yeah, I remember So, I mean, he that. did, he was a man. I mean, yeah. he could have um, done I'm it. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying he's a different sort of. Yeah, it's, it's, he's not who you think of when you think of somebody yeah. in the role of, say, John, John Belushi or John yeah. King. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Like that. Anyway, you know, like on to the next Colin actor. A, Colin B. On to the next actor. <laughs> Chris Farley, when development on the movie started back up again in the 90s, Farley was eyed as a potential lead. He loved it, said Bernie Brolstein, who also managed, I think that's supposed to say also managed Belushi. But, um, well, some of the producers were excited about getting Farley for the part. Others were less, less enthused and doubted that he could play the overeducated Ignatius. Farley's name was batted around for the role until his death in 97. John Goodman, New Orleans resident John Goodman, was also considered for the part in the 90s, according to Entertainment Weekly. But few details are known about his involvement beyond that. Will Ferrell was also tapped for this. He uh, was the closest actor to getting the movie made since Belushi's passing, when in 2004 he reported to be attached and participated in a table read at the Nantucket Film Festival with the cast of the film and director Dave Gordon Green, uh, George Washington, and Pineapple Express. The movie fell apart later that year, and David Gordon Green wrote this piece about it as published by Robert Ebert. To the disappointment of many of us, Dunces was put on hold last year. We had assembled the cast of My Dreams, Will, Fer Will Ferrell, Lily Tomlin, Moe's Def, Drew Barrymore, Olympia Dukakis, etc. And I adopted New Orleans as my new home. But politics over the property rights torn between Miramax, Paramount, and various camps of producers put a weight on the project that wasn't creatively healthy to work within. The draft of the script by Scott Kramer and Steven Soderbergh did the novel justice and also provided a healthy cinematic spotlight for these eccentric characters but it didn't cater to a lot of the cliches or conditioning of contemporary Ameri ugh, american studio sensibilities so i suppose the difficulty was even beyond the political baggage and paperwork and stemmed in many ways from the manner in which i wanted the film to be executed i believe in the dramatic foundation and comedic highlights of these characters and i'm not interested in the cartoon version of obvious comedy that has been has often been pushed for um i have yet to develop a project within the studio system that has been made for whatever stubborn resistance to compromise on my part with the machine the history of the book and various efforts for a film version made an epic make an epic of their own. I would have loved to see the Harold Ramis directed early 80s take with Belushi, Ruth Gordon, and Pryor. My hope is that we get our paws on the flick and Kramer writes his memoirs of the whole deal. You know, it's almost like uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a film that has so much potential but can never be made. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. if you, Are you familiar with yeah, with Jodorowsky's Dune. Who? What? Jodorowsky was a director. He actually was a pretty famous director at the time. And he wanted to do an adaptation of Dune. It was just this big grand thing. He had so many drawings and set mm -hmm. designs and things. And he had mm -hmm. he actually had actors tied to it, like Mick Jagger. Um, he would have done it justice. Not I'm trying to think not, who else. Not the three yeah. hour, three and a half hour. Oh, this was, this was going to be a seven hour epic is what it was going to be. Yeah. 
So and that's kind of it what should this have been broken like up too. into multiple movies then and reuse the sets, like they did Lord of the Rings. They could have not shown parts backwards. Mm -hmm. Put things in chronological order. Exactly. Because you want to fill space. Anyway, sorry. Exactly. That's my... <laughs> Definitely. That's her rant. But I mean, in this case, in this case, you're talking about it's it's like they did an adaptation of that as a documentary. Yeah. Maybe what they ought to do is a documentary of this. Yes. I think it'd, it'd go a long way to actually explain what the movie was supposedly about and maybe even get the production on off the ground. But anyway, I'm sorry, continue. Anyway, another actor who was also tapped for this was Jack Black. Will Ferrell told the AV Club in a 2008 interview that Jack Black had been in talks for the part of Ignatius at one point. Black's involvement in the movie was never announced or publicized and Ferrell didn't mention if it occurred before or after he was attached to the part. Next gentleman that was actually attached was Zach Galifianakis. Last summer, Vulture reported that Galifianakis had been cast as the lead in Confederacy of Dunces with director James Bobbin, Flight of the Concords, The Muppets, In Talks, and writer Phil Johnston, Cedar Rapids, penning the script. Bobbin wound up signing on to direct the Muppets sequel, The Muppets dot 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 again putting this project on hold there wasn't an update on it since the announcement of Galifianakis involvement last May but it seems to still be in the works with Galifianakis attached after a whopping 33 years in development a confederacy of dunces isn't any closer to being made than it was in the 80s but Galifianakis attached to it could end up still end up happening someday so who knows I'll leave you with some quotes from various people who have worked on the movie over the years. That was a heavy thing though. I thought, wow, if this happens, this is like a big one to bite off. The book is so talked about that if fans are either going to be like, they blew it or wow, great job. Will Ferrell, 2008. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Will Ferrell. <laughs> My final analysis of it is that Confederacy violated one of the basic bylaws of movie comedy, which the producer Michael Schamberg, Ghost World, and Pulp Fiction articulated. He said, comedy works two ways. Either you have a normal person in an extraordinary situation or an extraordinary person in a normal situation. And Confederacy was about an extraordinary person in a series of extraordinary situations. Ramus, 2009. I don't know what happened, what's hap happening with it. I think it's cursed. I'm not prone to superstition, but that project has got bad mojo on it. Steven Soderbergh, 2013. And that concludes cursed movie. So cursed that they never, they were never made. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> I know our listeners probably are now too. <laughs> okay. Come on. Don't be like that. I'm just kidding. There's so much we up and, and put together and oh yeah i learned a lot oh. other things through and I, I gotta tell you folks when i was researching this i had a list of maybe 10 movies and i was still finding more after that oh yeah we could do a whole nother episode probably with less next time um yeah. <laughs> but we could but it was just, yeah yeah it was just there's just so much going on there and you know not just the movies but television also i'm sorry Apparently i'm being stressed Callie's good for hugs. I yes. I was going hugs. to ask you that question, actually. She's so good at cuddles. I have had a blast. Well, what 
speak up for the kids in the future. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, we definitely want you back, Tracy. Can I put you down now, though? I have my arm back. Hey, Tracy, since we were so careless and neglectful of not introducing, having you introduce yourself in the beginning, we're going to do it now. <laughs> introduce yourself, lady. Well, let's see. What, what, what about Tracy Hernandez? Um, I'm a Sacramento. I have been born and raised here. I have um, 2.5 children. Because I have my two and my step, so go figure. Yay! A proud cat mom, dog mom, at one point snake mom, um, and frogs, and you bring it home and it stays, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I am a grantee. That is a granting auntie. I, I watch two little girls full time right now. When I'm not there, you might find me or might have seen me at Evangeline's, where I was my haunt for <clears throat> a few years more than a decade but hey uh, i lived <laughs> on the second floor all but and uh come halloween season you might see me wandering the floor as i fix costumes on the weekend because why not it's evangeline it's my home away from home um what else is there um i have ghost stories i have a mother who's done interesting things with ouija boards i have another mother who's done yeah that's okay there's a lot of things that I have in my, 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 my bag of tricks. And that's why we've got you on the show. And, and I look forward <laughs> to being a little share and bring my mom on to share because, oh, my stars, the things that I have seen and grown up with. We definitely look forward to having you back on the oh, show. Oh, definitely. definitely. It's been fun. Um, are you still involved with SCA? I am. I, 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 unfortunately, with this COVID whole thing, I have taken a year off. This is, of course, the year that I stepped up and became an office holder. Mm -hmm. I am helping out our, our Golden Rivers province, which is our local Sacramento area. And I have seen um, one event, and I might see one event this October if we're lucky. Um, otherwise, I'm hoping things get, put your masks on people, please. I want to have my, my closing events for the year. Pretty please, too much sugar on top. I have fun with these ones. And uh, speaking of SCA, for those who aren't in the know, SCA stands for the Society of Your Creative Anachronism. And would you mind telling us what that is so, exactly? So long story short, long time ago, 1960s, there was a group of people in Berkeley who wanted to have a pageant party. And they put on costumes and had their very first Renaissance Fair. Half the group went, hey, let's study medieval history from time periods from like, oh, 400 BCE to, I don't know, 1400 AD, just because, you know, or sorry, CE, because you know, it's fun. They were also like, okay, well, we're going to go to the Renaissance. And they spawned things. Uh -huh. So the first Renaissance, or first SCA event was belting, where you had your first nighting and the first you know, peanut parks. It's grown from there. Now it's a worldwide group that has many different areas and many different touches. And now we actually span a, a, a whole wide thing. I think we've actually gone into Renaissance and beyond now. Kind of taking on a life of its own, basically, it yeah. Um, I can say I am the proud wife of an ex-prince. And I don't mean ex because he did anything bad, but you're only prince for six months, unless COVID hits. Of course, we're not talking purple rain prince, but no, no, no. <laughs> an actual uh, prince, yeah. You go out there, you, you put on your armor, you grab your rattan stick, and you... you have a field day beating up your friends at the end of the battle you stand up you shake hands you give a hug you say hot damn we did it well, what do you mean i'm prince that was what y'all said that's okay um, yeah <laughs> I, I never really could get into that part of it myself you know i i watched it's the fun fighting. to watch the uh, events yeah. I, I watched the fighting 
um, especially when my husband's out there doing it. Uh -huh. And now that my stepson's out there, you know, he's, he's the 16 in a few weeks, he'll be out there doing heavy fighting soon. I'm watching it more, but I'm the mom in the background going, give me your children while you guys are off doing your things. You want to go do pageantry stuff. You want to go do arts and sciences. You want to go do baking. Give me the children. I'm fine here. Uh -huh. And now I have to sit there and say, give me the children. I'm fine here. And let me count your money. Thank you very much. Now, are you worried about your son's safety while he's doing this now? Um, with the amount of armor that he's been building with uh -huh. my husband who, who builds armor, Japanese armor for the SC now. He right. I've seen some of this stuff. stuff. I've yeah. seen some of your pictures. It's um, amazing. My, my, my youngest is, is, you know, quite nicely kitted out. He's getting his own home soon. If I remember correctly, I think he's inheriting his mom's home, but you know, Hey, um, going out there and, and, and he's been on the battlefield since he was two. He, uh, his first encounter was chasing one of our guys around that was laughing so hard he fell over and hunter does the captain morgan's type skewer achilles put a leg up and do the arm on the hip and just throw his head back and laugh <laughs> and it's been in my mind ever since um, so we knew it at a very young age he was going to be out there fighting well so I'm, I'm a little leery but at the same point joel's biggest injury for it was getting a, a you know couple bruises a little shiner here and there uh, yeah. you know his biggest eye injury was was with a bopper and that was you know it they clipped it cut him under the eye you know but i've seen broken hands i i've been around people that have done damage but it's so rare so i think that there's going to be doing pretty good here most people are careful oh yes so you know, they're not out there to maim their yeah, it's and they, the and they're having, and they're having a blast they're while they're doing it. And it fun. looks like so much fun. Yeah. I, I've never actually done any of it, but it looks like lots if of fun. Want, it's fun to watch. We, 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 got, we do it in Japanese. If you want a kimono, we'll put you together now. Of course, when Tracy and I met, we weren't exactly doing anything SCA. We were no, actually, we were, we were LARPing. We were vampires. Yes. <laughs> I was actually role-playing. That was, that was my turn to go. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then I discovered LARPing with a heartbeat, and I became a werewolf. <laughs> also fun yeah i remember those yeah <laughs> definitely what was your first vampire character do you my, remember my very first vampire character was rain she was a bruja rain yes okay and yeah i remember when we got to hang out with with a couple guys from um white wolf mm -hmm. who were having us test drive things including see this guy over here is he the best is you fall in love with him i hate the guy with the no you love him no i hate the man with a passion but no no you love him now I physical him. challenge i love <laughs> him now and you see him floating in the air and and and, and by the way now that you've gone this through all you, you've met your first mate i hate you oh <laughs> callie come here oh um yeah excuse me folks movie. he's been wounded dog just got me in the gotcha <laughs> I don't think she did it on purpose. She's just no, very excited. No, she no. slipped and, and fell. I'm okay. <laughs> she she's didn't mean it. She was like she slipped and fell right across his lap. Ouch. Like everything else, I'll survive this. Yeah, this too shall pass. A very 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 long long time mm -hmm. of, of good memories and, and good times. And hello, puppy. You're coming to say sorry to me. You need to say sorry to him. Oh, she already oh, she said already her sorry. She's good. coming to visit with you. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. It's been on. Thank you. <laughs> I'm fine. Right that was definitely surprising. <laughs> <laughs> You'll live, I swear. Yep. <laughs> Just take it. We'll take it. Take a five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, long and varied history together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember the days playing it, playing at the university, mm -hmm. the Death Star. 
at uc yes. davis it was place. lots of fun i still miss it from time to time too i always wonder if i could ever go back and do it again i think about it's like nah. no i keep setting it trying to set up i, I want to do a clark okay i want to mm -hmm. do a tabletop live action role play i want to sit down and have friends and we're using our mind's eye theater mm -hmm. but throwing chops because i'm so tired of dice and every time I start thinking, Rick, get this going, I have to come up with a story idea. And my story ideas are very short, and people see right through them. So I don't game master much, ever. <laughs> anyway, I think we're Remind straight off to get topic on the elaborate side. Yes, I, I think we're straight that. off topic a lot yeah. here. Yeah. Oh no, don't don't apologize. Well, we had, I just yeah. it was it was a fun at had by all. I, I came later into the thing and. Yeah, the first time I met him, he yelled at me because he thought I was somebody else. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's that's a, long a story, story for another itself. time, yeah. folks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Well, folks, I think that's going to wrap it up. We've kept you with we kept you long enough, so we won't keep you much more. <laughs> but we do want to thank Tracy again for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for, you being, for being here. here. It's been call me say, hey. yeah. <laughs> it's been great, actually. Lots and lots of fun. You've been bouncy for a whole week. <laughs> hey, she she got me bouncy when she got here, and that's something. That is something. <laughs> you don't bounce. I don't bounce. Not anymore. <laughs> Not since my teens and twenties. But we do hope you come back. We want to see you on the show again. Definitely. Definitely. So anyway, folks, um, next week we're actually going to have a guest on the show. Her name is Erin Montgomery. She's put out a book. Um, let me see. I'm sorry. I've, I've lost the title. There it is. The title of the book is called Dirty Little Secret Confessions of an Alien Contactee. Erin is actually a fourth generation UFO contactee, and she'll be talking about her uh, her experiences on the show next week. So look forward to seeing that. But in the meantime, we're going to let you go. Uh, again, as always, we live in a time of COVID. Please keep your masks on. Please experience your social distancing in the proper way. Please stay safe and healthy. Uh, we love hearing from you. Contact us by email. Leave us a message through the podcast. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Still looking uh, for childhood uh, uh, ghost stories. and uh, Or any ghost stories. Or any ghost point. stories. So long as they're of a personal nature. Uh, yeah, and also uh, the cutoff date for that is August 1st, so please keep that in mind. And once again, I also want to state the uh, the email is whatinthepodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, whatinthepodcast. And we encourage everybody to uh, look at our Facebook group. It's the What in the Podcast Facebook group. Nice and uh, original there. <laughs> <laughs> But there's a lot of good content on there as well. And we do post episodes there as well, too. Yep. Come join us. It's a fun and crazy page. <laughs> Anything you want to add, Tracy, before we go? Stay safe. Stay healthy. Be smart. Make good choices. Tune back in soon. <laughs> Definitely. Make good choices. Yes. Listen every week, everybody. Thank you for listening. We look forward to having you on the show and listening and, and you know, Send us a message. Leave a message for us. We want to hear. We really, really want to hear what you think of the show. Um, Improvements. Five weeks in limbo is too much. Talk to us. Yes. And, and kudos or, you know, criticisms, please. We're open to everything. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Let me know how I did my first time on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Because if did, you like right? her, she's, she'll be coming back. She's I coming back. Her. We're getting her back again. <laughs> Just not sure when, but she will be coming back. All right, folks. Have a oh, good night. Wait a minute. Oh. We are actually still looking for guest hosts. If you want to host, give us a That's true. Tracy can't shout. commit all the time. So if you want to if you want to come on the show and host with us, let us know. We look forward to hearing from you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. What in the